they'll all kind of maybe tie in with a theme that they're that they're doing for that particular grade and everything is always taught to the age so you're teaching really to the consciousness of the child and, and the age they are rather than just saying well we need to cover this much by this age or we you know this child is behind there's not really a behind um, there can be a behind for people, you know, maybe with learning disabilities or, or special needs, but there's no behind for the regular class because everything is taught to what age you are. So there's, there's more themes we're teaching to their soul rather than teaching to just pure skills. I think in traditional school, you're looking at, oh, you know, oh, they're, you know, they need to be this much in their math skills or this much in their reading and language arts. Waldorf unfolds that very, very slowly and naturally and more organically than, and, and it's very human way of learning. That's why I loved it. It's not robotic and it does everything it can to avoid abstractions. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life podcast where we believe that life is a schoolhouse. Totally. We're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling, homesteading, natural health care, plant medicines, natural childbirth, healthy eating, meditation, creative endeavors, overall self-sufficiency for the whole family. Oh, and don't forget self-development and spirituality. Oh, of course. Key players. We hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't, try things that could make your life better, and mostly we want to encourage you to never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too. Hey friends, it's Lacey again. I am excited to connect you with Annie Haas, who is joining us today. She actually joined us on the Homeschool Open House a few weeks ago and has loads of wisdom to share. She is a homeschooling mama and she got tons of great feedback on what she shared with us during that homeschool summit. So if you haven't checked that out, you need to go back and and check that out. But I'm excited to get to know her a little bit more with you today and ask her some kind of candid questions and, and hear what her homeschooling journey has looked like. Whether you're homeschooling or not, I'm sure you'll pick up some tips about living your life as a schoolhouse no matter what age you are it's never too late to incorporate some of the things that I know that we're going to talk about to just you know encourage learning every day because that's when we feel our most fulfilled so so Annie I am super excited Annie owns and operates the child is the curriculum and we will get to why it's called that shortly I think but Annie first I would love for you to share with us how did you grow up because I think getting back to the beginnings is always really interesting with homeschoolers were you homeschooled did you always know you were going to homeschool what did that look like for you what was your school experience I was not homeschooled but I wish I was (laughs) but I did grow up with very free things thinking parents. I grew up with with rather hippie parents and they allowed a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. So when I wasn't in school, I was exploring and doing all kinds of things and had the freedom to kind of, you know, learn what I want and, and, and was encouraged in that way. I really didn't like school. So I think that's, you know, (laughs) that was my experience. I did some, it really always depended on the teacher and my favorite parts of school were music and the arts and, and things like that that those those spoke to me the most and yeah so I wish I was <laughs> I've already told my mom I'm like mom you should have just homeschooled me she's like yeah maybe but it was weird back then <laughs> yeah yeah I think my mom would say the same thing yeah right there wasn't a community I think nowadays we are fortunate that there's so much in terms of resources so yeah it's definitely a different era when it comes to homeschooling so you were you weren't homeschooled you went to just traditional public school and then you went to standard college you did tell me a little bit beforehand that you waited a few years before you went to college which I think is really interesting will you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think I did a few, well, I did go to a a semi-private high school, so I was in a public schools until I was in a semi-private 
um, high school in Vermont. And um, the reason that we were able to go, although it was technically a public school, is they didn't have any other schools around except for that semi-private school. Um, so the state would uh, uh, pay, there was no other public school, so the state would have you go there. Um, so it was really nice because that the school was very, very well for the arts and for music, uh, really, really good. Mm -hmm. So I think in that way, I got to kind of experience um, that and, and probably paved the way to my future. And then um, I did take a couple of continuing ed classes after I graduated high school, but then I just really felt like I wasn't quite ready for college yet. I think I just wanted to just breathe after all of that schooling. I just, I wanted to just really experience some freedom, I think mm -hmm. from, so I didn't go back to college until later on in my twenties and, fin and finish then, so. So I think that, okay, what did you do in that period, if you don't mind sharing? Well, I had a child. <laughs> so that's when I had my son. I had my son when I was 22. Um, and um, I did, um, I actually did go to a community college for a couple classes and played jazz flute. Um, and I, I yes, <laughs> and I took, cause I was a musician. And so I also took, um, I took recording techniques uh, before it was digital. So I, you know, it was, I'm showing my age. Um, <laughs> and I took photography classes and, and things like that. So I just, I, I kind of just dabbled in stuff that I wanted to do and not necessarily for a degree for a while. Um, and I, I traveled around and went to concerts and just lived a nice, you know, I wanted to enjoy being young before I was, you know, strapped into whatever career. I just wanted to just experience life. So I did that for a while. And, um, and then after I had my son, I was like, I need to buckle down and get serious. You know, he's got a future too. I need to go finish my degree now. <laughs> so I actually brought him my son to art college with me. I was a single mom mm -hmm. and I, 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 I brought him to live on campus with me as a single mom. And he wow. um, went to preschool while I went to class. And so um, I just did that. I worked, he, he had a very flexible preschool where he could just go for just while I was in class. And then I'd pick him up when I was done. Mm -hmm. So he literally was in art school with me. So he, he was in the studios with me while I was sculpting. He was so we've doing- We've had all of the same teachers. At, at app because I was an art major when I was there too and my oh. husband was a BFA from Appalachia. We were in the art department too. Yes. We missed each other by a hair. Oh my goodness. In that big square building. In that you know? big square building. Yeah. We spent <laughs> so many hours in that building. Anyway, yeah. how cool. And so we did I didn't know that you could have a child and um and stay on campus. That was that's really awesome. I didn't know that. They do. They have non-traditional student housing on uh, at App, which is wonderful. Not all colleges do. So they were really great. And so, yeah, brought my son to art school. <laughs> and he went to um, gallery openings and, and he was the star of the show because I had a little three-year-old running around all the art and having, you know, cheese and grapes. And <laughs> We'll have to talk later because I think you probably know one of my close friends who also had a baby in art school at the same time you were there. So, oh, well, we definitely need to talk about that then. <laughs> cool. Um, so anyway, okay. So then how did you transition into this idea? I mean, it sounds like you just automatically all, you know, like we're in the mindset of have your child with you kind of thing, but when did you decide mm -hmm. to homeschool and what did that sort of look like? 
Well, I wanted to homeschool from the beginning, but my son's father wasn't really into that. You know, sometimes, and this happens with a lot of parents or, or one, you know, there may be two parents are not on the same page. I talked to a lot of families that they're not on the same page and, you know, one believes in homeschooling, the other doesn't. And so right. then can't go forward with it. So I couldn't for a while. And then eventually I did, um, by the time he got to, um, fifth grade, I was able to pull him out of school, especially because he wasn't particularly thriving, even though it, he was in one of the best public schools up in the mountains. Uh, he still just was not, it was not the, the curriculum itself was not, he was not thriving on that curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so then um, I pulled him out and, and we, we dabbled in a little bit of unschooling mixed with, um, with, with Waldorf. And we loved it. We had the best year of our, of our life doing that. Like we were just, so I was, it, it was just, I, it was one of the best years of my life. It was awesome. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's awesome. So how old is your son now? So he is 19. Wow. And um, yeah, he is, he is now um, out in the driveway fixing his car himself. <laughs> so. Awesome. He's, yeah, he's, it's success. <laughs> yeah. Very independent. Um, he, he's, he's wonderful. He built his own computer from scratch in ninth grade. Um, he's, he's just he wants to be a graphic designer so that's his path but he also loves to work on cars now so he like he was kind of in the mechanic he's very engineer oriented right yeah yeah yeah. Cool. yeah 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 was always into that anything engineering so is he <laughs> college bound is he planning to get a higher education or um he does not like that college is how, how expensive it is these days and and the debt he doesn't want to be in debt so he's either going to go to technical or trade school to do what he wants to do to avoid debt. He's very so smart with money <laughs> and he doesn't want to just, yeah, he doesn't want to do that. So, and he's also taking his time and right now just wants to do what he's following in his mom's footsteps. He's mm -hmm. just wants to take time before he goes and, and does it, which I'm allowing completely, you know, that's, that's what right. he wants to do. <laughs> He'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay, so you said you started out with unschooling, which is sort of just a like letting the child kind of lead the way, right? And then with the Waldorf, how did you incorporate that? Because I think a lot of people are new to that um, sort of methodology. It's kind of a, um, not everyone has had exposure to the Waldorf um, world. So if you could kind of just share, what does that look like for you? And, um, and how did that develop? Well, um, I've always obviously been into uh, my whole family is all down the line is there's nobody in any profession in my family on, on either side, my mom or dad's side that isn't an artist, a musician, potter, um, photographer, writer, it's just a, the, there's, there's, that's it. So I hadn't, didn't really have a chance to not be involved in music and arts. Um, <laughs> there was no chance. Um, but I, so Waldorf naturally is a lot of arts and crafts and music. And, and so I naturally always gravitated towards it and always loved it from, from a distance. And, um, you know, uh, but um, so uh, it also, Waldorf is a very nice compromise between people who you don't necessarily want to do full radical unschooling um, mm -hmm. and those who also really don't want to do full traditional 
right. homeschool at home, you know, where you're doing school at home, it is sort of this wonderful thing in between is just how I see it. Yeah. And so when I started, I was like, well, then I'll do Waldorf because I don't have to, we don't have to really do deal with grades and, mm. and, and textbooks and things like this. And I'm already naturally very arts and crafts oriented. Mm -hmm. And so naturally I tried that on my first year. I did Christopher's Waldorf curriculum, which is a big name Waldorf curriculum, but they didn't have sixth grade when I did it. So she only had book recommendations and maybe some overviews. Mm -hmm. So I had to piece it together myself um, by reading Steiner and also just um, looking at what was there and what the typical um, things were for sixth grade. It's, it's, most people don't start with Waldorf in middle school. They would start maybe from first grade and go up, yeah. you know. Um, so it was a challenge, but I just loved it. I loved it so much. I loved it that much that I was like, this is, this is it. And so I just was home. I was home. I was home right then and there. <laughs> okay. So you talked a little bit about like the arts kind of on the one side and then the kind of the curriculum, I think on the other side. And I think it's really interesting. That's how I think about Waldorf is how, um, you can't really isolate these two things out. And, and when we try to, you might meet the needs of one child, but another child is, you know, the pieces just never fall into place. And I know that Waldorf talks a lot about this. And I would wonder if you would touch on it a little bit, like how, what is the sort of ideology around um, incorporating the song and the, you know, the, the math and, you know what I mean, the instruments and, you know, history or whatever, how do they intertwine all of those? And, um, and what is that, I don't know, lay that out for us a little bit. <laughs> um, well, yes, everything is very integrated. Um, Senior said they, that the music teacher should be talking to the, to the main lesson teacher and then talking to the handbook teacher so that they can integrate as much as possible. Um, Waldorf has one teacher that stays with you from first to eighth grade so that they can really know the children very, very well. Of course, we don't need to do that as homeschoolers. We already know them, <laughs> so we're staying with them through. So it really helps us because we know, we know them so well. And then, um, what else was I going to say? Um, it's where Waldorf has a main lesson, which is you know in the morning and in the schools. I'm talking. Um, they have it from eight to ten in the morning. They have a main lesson with their main lesson teacher, and then they go off to extra subjects in the afternoon, handwork and um, woodwork and mm -hmm. other subjects. But um, you know they'll all kind of maybe tie in with a theme that they're that they're doing for that particular grade and everything is always taught to the age so you're teaching really to the consciousness of the child and, and the age they are rather than just saying well we need to cover this much by this age or we you know this child is behind there's not really a behind um there can be a behind for people you know maybe with learning disabilities or or special needs but there's no behind for the regular class because everything is taught to what age you are so there's there's more themes we're teaching to their soul rather than teaching to just pure skills i think in traditional school you're looking at oh you know oh they're you know they need to be this much in their math skills or this much in their reading and language arts waldorf unfolds that very very slowly and naturally and more organically than and and it's very human way of learning that's why I loved it it's not robotic and it does everything it can to avoid abstractions mm -hmm. so we don't anything that is abstract is more for an older you know the teenage age and Waldorf's um, has 
seven-year cycles, which are really important. Um, I usually talk about this. So there's, there's something different that we teach to from zero to seven mm -hmm. and seven to 14 and 14 to 21. Mm -hmm. And those seven-year cycles even go on for adults. We change every seven years. So I just, I'm just turned 42. So I just went through my 42-year change. <laughs> so, so fascinating. Yeah. I think a lot of times I've been kind of looking at the years even, and even um, we do the, we follow the Hebrew calendar and it's the same. There's a seven-year cycle within that as well. And I think it's just so cool how those things kind of cross over and um, make it kind of tangible and, it's just, it's really wholesome. I feel like there's just like a holistic is what I think of when I think about Waldorf because it thinks of all of the, you know, the spiritual needs and then also the physical needs and how that all interrelates. And it's important to, to connect all of those dots. So, yeah. Yeah. It's very relaxing because we're never in a state of mind where we're trying to push too much too soon. Mm -hmm. And it really avoids doing too much too soon. Um, the only thing is that some people feel uncomfortable letting go that much. Mm -hmm. um, some people feel like they, you know, we've been so in the school mindset that, you know, uh, unschoolers have no problem letting that go. Right. Um, but anyone that's not, it's, it's just be like, well, but oh, that, you know, because mine didn't read until age eight. And a lot of people can't. Mine. And it's hard. Yeah. Even for people who understand that, knowing mm -hmm. that other kids are reading at four and five, it can be like, oh no, there's something wrong with my child. Even when you know, don't mm -hmm. worry, it will come together. It will come together and they will take off. I mean, it can be really worrisome. And it does every time. And then they read even beyond my expectations. So in it, they're already ahead, started reading at eight, but is already at probably two, you know, reading level way, way above just a year later at, yeah. at eight, nine. So oh, almost nine. So yeah. it's, it, it is hard to let go and trust. And um, so that is when the mom maybe needs to do a bit of de-schooling. And that's actually where unschooling books would probably benefit Waldorf, even Waldorf-oriented families. It'd be good to read all the unschooling materials so that you can sort of deprogram yourself a little bit and relax and let go and just say, it's going to be fine. And then then when you bring in that wholesome, rich, I, I kind of like viewing Waldorf as unschooling with indications sprinkled on top. It's like a fertilizer. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. So that you can, and a lot of people will do that. They will pull in from Waldorf what, what speaks to them, what, what they're able to do, you know, because it can be a lot, it can seem like a lot too. <laughs> it, well, it can be overwhelming when you start looking into it because there's so many resources out there as with anything. And yeah. And that can be overwhelming, but yeah, I like And you don't have to use them all. <laughs> or any of them. You can, or any. Yes. Right? yeah, I think it's just, mm -hmm. yeah. So just talking to that, so you um, called your work, The Child is the Curriculum, and I, I love that. Can you explain how you came to that? And maybe that will help even lead you to sharing uh, maybe a book or something that you would recommend for folks to read if they're just getting started. Yeah, so the, the, the child is the curriculum um, comes from a Steiner quote. The quote is actually the child himself is the curriculum. Um, and what that comes from is it's not exactly, some people think Waldorf is child-led. Um, it is in the sense that we're reading the child to bring them what they need um, in the same way that we would you know, when they're learning to walk and we're, we're holding their hand, you know, we're, we're still helping. We're still, it's, it still can be very parent led, but still where the child doesn't feel like they're being led. They just, they, we, we know it, we're kind of becoming a child whisperer mm. um, in a way of where we, we know what they need before they do, because we know, we know um, human development so well. Mm. And so they're going to like what we bring 
they're it's just because we know them very well and then we can also with homeschooling tailor it right to them specifically but so the child is the curriculum really also means that um it's our job to study um child development so that we can have them be the curriculum so that we know what what we need to bring them and so that does take work um and that's kind of uh yeah, that's kind of what is set the website up is to do the work to study the human being. So to study the developing mm -hmm. human being, not just we human beings, we humanity is very good with all of the physical, mm -hmm. you know, child development. Right. But we, we are not so great with how is the child's consciousness and mm -hmm. spiritual life developed. When I'm, and by spiritual, I mean their inner life, the way they're viewing outward. We're putting our adult selves in their shoes, in their consciousness to see how are they seeing how are, how are they seeing me? How are they seeing this lesson? How's the child taking this lesson in? And how are they going to remember it when they're 40 or 50 or 60 years old? And so we're, we're getting in the child consciousness. So the book I always recommend beginners is the, the Child's Changing Consciousness. It's a book Steiner wrote. It's the easiest of Steiner's stuff to read because it's, um, it's just, it's 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 his one of his more simple works for beginners for complete newbies and it really he walks you through the child's changing consciousness so that you can see things from their point of view mm -hmm. and that's what makes them the curriculum so if you if if you know where they are mm -hmm. then you can know what to bring them instead of just like well i'm just going to arbitrarily bring bring in this at this age for you know but you need to but but why and so it it steiner really explains all the why why do we bring why do we bring physics at, at grade six it's not just arbitrary it's because literally they're 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 coming more into their bones they're heavier weight they're so they're there's literally the physics in their yeah. in their bodies that is so um, fascinating it makes me think yeah. you know we do all this when we first become pregnant you know we we start doing all this research about the baby developing inside of us and um, we read up on it and then they get to be you know five or six years old and we just expect i think our teachers to tell us what to expect from our kids right and um, some of the things i see like that i've learned from steiner specifically that have been so helpful is you know children are all different in their physical how they develop too and why we expect them to all be at the same place mentally and spiritually and like you're saying consciously when they're also different physically, I mean, it's just kind of odd to me. And so I love the idea of laying it out like that because it's really almost like a, just an extension of like what to expect when you're expecting, right? Like you're just like, keep on going and um, just keep going. And it really is the teacher's job. Steiner did say that the that, that teachers should be like doctors and actually that teachers should maybe study a bit of medicine too, so that we really can understand the, the children and, yeah. um, and, and, and know them all really well like if if they're if they're showing a certain symptom we should know why you know and and actually the curriculum can act as medicine so all the waller curriculum the reason that they do certain subjects at certain ages is really um it's like a therapy so for the nine-year-old the reason that they do um you know shelter building and all that is because they're at nine they're just really feeling all this shaky like you know oh my gosh and so we bring them all these things as medicine so we need to view the curriculum sort of as as their medicine rather than something they have to get through yeah instead oh, these the doses of, right yeah <laughs> oh i love that that's so beautiful yeah. it makes me think oh man i need to get some more curriculum so but i am gonna get that book i love it okay um all right so what you've already shared a book that you love 
Um, what advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out in terms of like, you know, the simplest piece of advice that you can offer? Um, the simplest advice is, well, not to panic because usually when people are starting out, um, they just are really nervous. Uh, there's a nervous energy about them. They're afraid uh, usually that they're not going to cover everything um, or, you know, they're just in general nervous. Um, one of the reasons I read Steiner so much is he puts a lot of that to ease constantly. When you're reading him, it's just constantly like, oh, it's like a, a bath. But even though for some people it might be stressful because they have not read him yet and it's maybe just new. So I guess the simplest piece of advice I would give is to de-school, is to do that that de-schooling and reading the unschooling material because you've really got to de-school yourself before you can know that you can homeschool. Yeah. And then you can start, it's kind of like this. I, I view homeschooling, I compare it to a garden a lot. Um, you have to, you know, clear the soil, work the soil, till the soil first mm -hmm. before you plant anything. Mm -hmm. And everybody just wants to rush in and just throw seeds in the soil and see what happens. It's the same thing with homeschooling. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, 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 let's get the soil all rich first. Let's get, and what that means is let's make the, help the mom feel really good because you need to feel really good before you can get to that point where you're going to bring it in the right way. And that love is really the most important thing. And so, and, and the way that we bring it and Steiner said, who we are is more important than what we do. Mm -hmm. So everyone's figured out what to do, all the, all the curriculum out there. It's, it, I suggest somebody spend their first year going minimalist homeschool rather than uh, less resources, less lessons, definitely not lots of facty lessons. Waldorf is not very facty. We're more, much more teaching to the feelings between the age of seven and 14. So you're teaching to emotions. So the stories, mm -hmm. and then even when you're writing, like using feeling for everything. So we're teaching to feeling between, between seven to 14. If we teach to the head too much at that age, it's too much. And if we teach, you know, to the, to the, to the hands or physically exhaust them too much, they get exhausted. Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know, mm -hmm. it, 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 so the, my piece of advice would be to just, yeah, to just relax first and, and, and do less and try a minimalist homeschool approach at first. Yeah. I couldn't so. agree more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't just dive in from out of one system and into another one. Let's, um, clear those waters a little bit. I think that's so smart. Everything relates back to gardening. <laughs> so. Yeah, it does. And spending as much time outdoors as possible um, yeah. too, you know, like a lot of outdoor time for them and a lot of movement. So we don't ever do where we're sitting still at a desk all day. Even if we are sitting, sitting there doing arts and crafts for a while, they get antsy about half an hour in and then it's like okay out and go on the pogo stick or go on the trampoline or they have to so we we do have like you know breathing rhythms within the day uh, and letting it flow and not we don't we're not forcing anything that isn't naturally coming from them so that's all why that's also why the child's a curriculum yeah. you have to listen to their cues when they're hungry when yeah, all of it yeah if they're whiny and cranky maybe it's not the day to sit down and uh, make sure they hammer out those math drills you know so yeah i think that's really really good advice um okay so one quick tip that you maybe would use that's just like some example of something that you would do when maybe the day is not going as planned things are just dry what's just something you would do to kind of flip that on its head 
Um, I would probably just do one of their favorite things. Um, you know, whether it's, yeah, we, we go outside, um, they love to bake, you know, yeah. let's bake something, you know, there's math in that. Let's do that. And, um, I would be very present with them. I know when there's, we're troubleshooting, it's really good to, you know, have their full attention. Don't be distracted, be right there with them until they're grounded again. And then, and, and then they're all set. So, um, yeah, to turn a day around, throw, throw out whatever you're doing, especially if you're in the middle of a lesson and it's, it's just not going well and they're flipping out. It's, it's not worth it stressing them out. It's just not, we either need to find another way to do it or it could be something physical like food or something. Right. Bring them down first, wait till they calm down, then come back to it. Because a lot of times we've had the, been in the middle of a really frustrating lesson and then I'm like, okay, we're just gonna shift gears. We're gonna go do this now. We're gonna take a break. You know, I always break when they're like that. Yeah. No, I we do just don't push through that. And so a lot of times though, even 30 minutes later, they come back and they're doing it whiz, whiz through and smiling. And so yes. it's amazing. And I'm like, oh wow, okay. So sometimes you don't have to throw it away completely. You just you just they just need that break. Yeah. Um, so you can turn days around. And and if all else fails and it just keeps happening again and again, then call it a day. Call it an unschooling day. Yeah. Just, yeah, we'll do, that's okay. And we just, that's it. But we rarely have days like those, um, you know, unless, and again, and, and they will read your mood and your energy too. So you, I, I, for Waldorf, especially one of the biggest things about Waldorf is the inner work of the teacher that we have to do inner work on our own selves that we have to, we have to come mm. 10 times more prepared for them. So I will do lots and lots of prep work just to teach them a half an hour lesson it might i might take two hours of prep to do do something like that and that might include me needing to meditate or me needing to think imagine to myself what how what how do i want to bring this to this child and why and me right making sure i know my stuff and being really prepared because they're not going to take you seriously if you're in the middle of the lesson they're just going to say well if my mom doesn't know it you know then why do i have to know it literally they'll think that in their subconscious and so you know they'll think well she's they're that age and they don't even know why do i need to know that? yeah because i think i hear that flying around our house all the time well i never learned that <laughs> you know like well i don't remember my times tables or you know whatever it is and it's yeah like, and it's one thing to forget something real quick but another thing was like wow that my mom doesn't know what she's doing today at all you know <laughs> So, and you know, we all have days, but then we need to say, okay, I'm going to regroup. I don't actually feel prepared for this lesson. So I'm going to bring this next week when I feel more prepared for it. I try not to bring in ever, anything that is not really coming from myself to, this is harder for Waldorf teachers because a lot of times we also memorize stories or do things like that, but not always, but they'll, they just, we want them to take us seriously, I guess is what it is. If, if you're bringing them a formal lesson, if you're not, and you're just casually doing knitting or something like that, then you can be casual and work with whatever, you know, mistakes come up and everything. <laughs> well, I love that, that one thing that you said about, especially your, what am I bringing and why? I feel like that why piece is something that we all, you know, if you're being home or you're homeschooling for the first time and, and it's because of, you know, the situation going on around the world, you have an opportunity now to ask that question, you know, what am I doing and why? And I think that's really big, right? Because 
for why it's been because that's what we do in public school, right? And now we get to say and why, and that's really powerful, actually. So I hope you actually use that as a confidence builder and not feel chaos because of it, because it's um, yes. And that's the thing is how we look at things as a teacher really matters because there's some people hearing this that'll be like, oh, wow, that makes me nervous, and other people will be like, oh, okay, that's empowering. So what? What mindset are you thinking of it in? You know, are you rising to the challenge? That's part of the inner work too, is, you know, how can I teach my children to have a strong will if I don't have a strong will? So this is why it takes so much. I spend more time working on myself than them. They're my biggest teachers. <laughs> yeah. Should but say I, the child is the curriculum and the teacher. <laughs> and they know that and they sense that and they know that then that's what they do as an adult, right? Like that is a part of the human journey. So and I think that's yeah. beautiful. Well, it's tough. I'm not going to say that I'm perfect and I'm certainly not going to say, I'm saying that I need a lot of work and I'm working on that. <laughs> that is a continued process. Okay. Yeah, it is. And don't beat yourself up either. Don't. I have to say, no, no. The two, moms already do that enough. So mom homeschooler is twice as bad or three times or 10 times as bad as just, you know, and then also, you know, be careful if you're observing too much of what other people are doing, like, oh, and then you yes. have that feeling like, I'm not doing enough. Oh, look at all that they're doing. Don't do that. Just be like, look, and always focus on look what we're doing. Look yeah. what we're doing. We're, we got a lot done. We got, look what we all did yesterday. We did this and, and really focus on your own homeschool. Being you remember that you don't want that. You know, I think sometimes it looks really pretty and then you're like, well, wait, I didn't, I don't want to do that. So it's good to remember that that's not what you really wanted anyway. It needs to come from uniquely them or uniquely you. And the, the, another beautiful thing I'll just say about Waldorf is that it's, um, we have this sense that that, that the children are our destiny. They're destined to be with us. They picked us, they chose us yeah. and they didn't choose um, Susie homeschooler down the street. They chose us. And so you shouldn't bring them stuff from someone else. You should bring something from your soul all the time. Maybe you might do the same project, but it's never, it's never going to be exactly the same. It's always going to have a little hint of you in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I say that a lot and they wouldn't have been born to you if you didn't have what you needed to to take care of them. So I love that. That's beautiful. Well, thank you, Annie, so, so, so much. It was a really fun conversation that I feel like we could definitely continue, but we're going to stop for now. Yes, sorry if it was long. <laughs> it was great. I hope people aren't overwhelmed. I think they're just going to love it. But if you want to connect with Annie, Annie, what's the best way for folks to get, get to stay connected with you? Yes, I'm mainly, um, I'm trying to stay singularly focused. So I'm mainly on Instagram. Uh, the child is the curriculum on Instagram. And um, in, in my bio there, I have links to all the other things that I'm involved with. So it's really easy. I have a link tree in the, and you can look at all the all the various things I'm involved with. She, and, yeah, uh, she has some beautiful resources. I was seeing that she has like planners and things that are really, really beautiful. So definitely check out what she has because there's a lot of amazing resources, particularly if this Waldorf approach is appealing to you. Um, and the name of that book, one last time, Annie? It's called The Child's Changing Consciousness by Rudolf Steiner. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. I hope that if you have questions, you'll share them with me or with Annie, and we will help you find answers. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs>